0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Tell Me More. I'm Luke Stair. Today Katie Reed Hodges is back with us and we have Dr. Wiles as well and we are wrapping up the series on the church and talking about the hope that we have in the good news of Jesus and just how good that seed is. We hope you'll enjoy this episode.
1: We're back in the podcast studio. Okay, last week, y'all replaced me with Ryan.
0: You replaced you right. with Ryan. Okay, well, yeah, yeah. Just be honest.
1: You know, I started this thing, and at one point, I was kind of the producer. Now, Luke and I kind of tag team on that. But, Mm -hmm. well, Luke sits behind the buttons. I hit the buttons. Who
0: is the producer? I don't hit the buttons very much. Actually, I think
1: Kyle is the producer, because this Mm -hmm. wouldn't exist without Kyle. Right. We would just be talking in a room, which we do all the time, but not... Podcast, not so. a microphone not a microphone <laughs> 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 anyway all that to say last week we had ryan in here and I, i'll just say i'm glad ryan is on our staff me too i really think he's a good dude he brings mm-hmm. something that we didn't have which is always a gift in mm-hmm. a new hire like that and so i think we'll have a fun partnership for many years amen and may it be mm-hmm. so amen as says. that's right but <clears throat> i'm back you're back. <laughs> yep, and I'm happy to be back. And I want us to have a good conversation because this is the last one on the series on the church. That's right. We've finished up. We're closing the book. That's right. And then, well, let me. Turning we're the page. turning the page to missions <laughs> month, which we all love and really does bring some vibrancy mm-hmm. to us. But that's next week. For this week, you chose a text from Colossians mm-hmm. about the gospel mm-hmm. growing and bearing fruit. Mm-hmm. So I want to get to that. Mm-hmm. Um, you talk. There's a lot to talk about. And I, y- y'all pop in on whatever you want. I have kind of a, a series of questions and topics we can talk about. One, I think the nature of hope. So hope is such a powerful thing. It is. I mm-hmm. thought about it a lot in my triplet pregnancy mm. because, um, like, the nights are really hard. Not pregnancy. Well, pregnancy too, but more the triplet, the, the last year of triplet parenting. Mm-hmm. Because the nights are so hard and often it's like I just know that, like, help is coming. You mm-hmm. know, like, one, sometimes mm-hmm. help in the form of, I mean this, our child development center. Because no matter how much of a mess Mm -hmm. our weekend was or whatever, it's like 8 a.m. on Monday is coming, Mm -hmm. and there's, like, trusted, Mm -hmm. loving women Mm -hmm. that are going to take care of these kids, and I can go do something else, Mm -hmm. which is usually a latte at White Rhino and then right to work. (laughs) But anyway, (laughs) I thought about help a lot. So, Dr. Wells, you talked about it. Mm -hmm. It it is a very – I'd say it's one of the more powerful just forces Mm -hmm. that can change our lives. Mm Do you want to tell us more about the Greek, the – Nature of it, what Paul might have thought about it when he wrote it, well, whatever if, you want.
2: Thank you, Katie. It is, it is interesting to me. Um, <clears throat> you know, faith, hope, and love appear several times in Paul's yeah. writings. And mm-hmm. that's a kind of a speaking of triplets, those are three famous triplets. Oh, the triplets. Uh, triplets yes. They are. And, the uh,
1: Pauline triplets, <laughs> as they
0: say. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, that's a new phrase. Yeah. We're pointing it. The yeah. more
2: famous. Um, Place where they show up in First Corinthians thirteen, that's and right. there Paul says, "And the greatest of these is love." And so right. that's kind of how we all remember it, I guess.
1: Well, in that context, in that conversation, that is the truth. And I would say love is maybe the most powerful yeah, force in the world, of course. Mm-hmm.
0: But, but hope, in this, text, it's
1: little cousin hope <laughs> yeah. has quite a <laughs> yeah. place in the game,
2: right? Well, in this text, he highlights hope over faith and love. Which that's why I wanted to that's why I wanted to highlight it Sunday morning because that's what Paul's right out. because he does say I've heard of your faith which is in Christ Jesus which to me is a is a salvific kind of faith I think just the way he phrased that in Greek and then the love for all of God's people well I think what Paul is saying is there he uses agape there in other words this whole idea that that the gospel brings forth something in us that's just not natural to us mm. um, and so when mm. he says so when I see that that's evidence. Of the reality of the gospel in your midst, but then he comes back in verse uh, five and says, "Now this faith and love spring from the hope you have." And so in this text, mm. he's focused on the hope. Hope that is the we source. Have. Yes, it's the it's the it's the fountainhead, if you will. Mm. And that hope, to me, um, is is a it's a powerful gift from God. Peter calls it a living hope in 1 Peter one. And it is connected to the entire story of Jesus, his life, his witness, his example, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his um, um, establishing the kingdom, his ascension, and one day his return. So Mm. to me, all of that is encapsulated in the hope that Paul is talking about. And so when Paul sees what's happening in Colossae, he's never been there, as best we can tell, which does make this letter a little bit different for us. You know, Mm -hmm. this is not one of Paul's churches um, per se, uh, but he evidently felt like this was a community that needed to hear from him. There's some, there's a whole lot of conversation about why Paul wrote Colossae or Colossians. But you know, there's this whole question about the role of wisdom and just how much incipient, <clears throat> what was called Gnosticism, mm-hmm. was kind of uh, beginning to develop there in in Colossae, and Paul must have believed it was. Enough for him to try to address it. So mm. he talks about the wisdom that comes from God. Mm. That's not some kind of mysterious thing that you, you, you know, that you uh, get almost magically, if you will. Because wisdom
1: <clears throat> in the New Testament maybe a little bit different than what we, in more like postmodern thought, would mm. think about wisdom. I mean, wisdom running through the Old Testament and, and then, like for them, that's all around them and they're seeking it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a cultural conversation mm-hmm. where we don't, I, when I think of wisdom in our age, it's like an old man in a rocking chair. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Where Got there, it. it was much more spiritual, much more.
0: Yes. yes. Yeah, it's this art skillful living. It's different, mm-hmm. right?
1: I mean, there's kind of, tied I, it's kind of d- a question to the there from me.
0: And,
1: yeah, know. where ours <clears throat> is more just like a wise person may have lived, lived life and then had, you know, skill, skill right. to pass down. But yeah. Little little more there's more, and it's more de- more debated. Yes. debated yes. Absolutely. And the role of it, right?
2: So even though Paul never been to this church, He felt led to address what he thought were some false teachings in that church, but he begins by complimenting them, which is probably the right thing to do. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know,
0: since you're going to rebuke a
1: stranger, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you should start with a compliment. So there's some model, just unlike good conversation tactics, um, pastoral pastoral skills, right. right?
2: And not only that, he begins basically with a prayer. I mean, he says, "Here he is in prison in Rome." And and that gives him, I would say, some street cred, you know, the idea that he's in prison for this very gospel. It's not mm-hmm. like he's just someone who's an interested observer um, or bystander. So, and by this time, you know, what are we, A.D. 60, 61? He's an established apostle. I mean, there, there's no question this man is very well known throughout that part of the empire mm-hmm. by the Christian community. Mm-hmm. And so he chooses to write this letter, and he does open it with a prayer, and he talks about how... He's praying for them, and he says, like in verse 9, the first day we heard about you, we've been praying for you. And so he establishes kind of a spiritual relationship with these people. Mm-hmm. But in the text we looked at Sunday morning, he focuses on the hope that we have um, in eternity, you know, and that is the solid, secure hope that we have found in Jesus. That, to me, is, um, it's a powerful gift from God, and you can't find it anywhere else. And I think we all know how valuable hope is. You know, when you lose hope, um, and all of us, I know Luke and, and, and Katie, both of you, we have spent time with enough people mm. in a pastoring relationship. When people lose hope, um, that, is a, that puts them in a very vulnerable position. Mm-hmm. And so um, it is, it's a valuable commodity in your overall spiritual health. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, and it's a gift that God gives us in Jesus. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to make sure mm-hmm. people saw it Sunday morning, that Paul saw it as this kind of the faith and love, at least in this context, are springing from that hope that's alive in them because of who Christ is. Yeah. So
1: And their hope is in Jesus. Absolutely. <clears throat> and, that's good. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. it'll preach, won't it?
2: I feel like it will. <laughs> that it did. <laughs> or it did. <laughs> Maybe it did. Yeah, so, so for those of you <clears throat> who
1: have a difficult situation mm-hmm. and it feels hopeless.
2: Yeah. And
1: in yeah. Christ, there's, mm-hmm. always there ho- always there's always hope. There is always
2: hope. You know, I know this is kind of a, um, you, you know, as long as you're alive, there's hope, I guess is what I'd say. You know, there's, uh, we can find hope, but we, people are desperate for it, though. We, we can probably tell stories right now, people we know, that have looked in the wrong places for hope because they're just desperate for mm-hmm. it. You know, when I came across that story about that girl in New Zealand who decided to, coming out of her own depression, you know, mm-hmm. make those bumper stickers and those little notes, don't take your life today. You know, I thought, what an interesting way to express hope and the fact that someone saw that mm-hmm. who presumably was on their way to do that very thing, it stopped them in their tracks. Well, it just reminded me of how desperate you can get, you know, in your mm-hmm. life um, if yeah. you lose hope.
1: And you have no and, uh, sense that anything will change. Mm-hmm. You're not hopeful about absolutely.
2: Anything. You know, it's it's, it's kind of like losing heart. You know, it's just um, sometimes when I listen to people and it feels like they've lost heart or they've lost hope, it's um, it's always a, a a huge red flag to me. You know, um, that's why I think I'm I'm so grateful for the gospel, and that, and that the gospel that the Lord has given us, it it brings hope in any context. You know, you know, you think about we're leading into missions month. Next month we'll be talking a lot about our commitment in missions, and I know that's one of Luke's areas of expertise. I'll sure. only have a few things
0: to say <laughs> <in> each episode, <laughs> right? So
1: we might but, need so, to get Ashley in here. So we what might. is it? Okay, okay, I'll think about
2: it. That translates across every cultural boundary. If you think about, it. there are very few things that will do that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but the gospel does, Yeah. Um, because a lot of things are so encumbered with culture that they just don't translate to other cultures, you know. And and sometimes mm-hmm. we don't realize that, but what we're taking to the world is not an extension of our Western culture. That's that's just not the point. We're taking the gospel. The gospel is what bears fruit. It's what's growing. It's what's really having an impact across the world. And I praise mm. God that it's good everywhere. It's good news it everywhere, you know, for anybody. Mm. Um, and it translates, it, it overcomes those barriers that that culture sometimes erects. And sometimes we don't think about it. We think that everybody sees the world the way we do. I've had to learn that lesson because— in a lot of ways, um, <clears throat> because um, you know, I, a lot of times I like to to use humor to communicate. It's mm-hmm. just one of my yeah. I don't know. It's just humor alone. does
0: not translate well. <laughs>
2: That's what I mean. So I've had to learn even
1: across Arlington, yeah, right?
2: You go to different cultures. Yeah, I mean, and you're exactly right. On who you're it, with, it's just sometimes people just don't find things funny. You know, and mm. one of my favorite stories yeah. about that was Jimmy <laughs> Carter was speaking one time when he was president. And he was in Japan. And he wanted to start with a little joke, and his, and the speechwriter helped him, and then the Japanese translator told him, "Mr. President, you know, I don't think the people here are going to find this funny." And Carter said, "I think it's funny anywhere." And so the mm-hmm. guy told him again, "But Mr. President, I don't think I don't think they're <laughs> going to find it funny." And he said, "I think it's funny anywhere." So I'm going to do it. So he opens the story with it, and so the translator says instead of translating. The story. the story, he says something like this. Okay, everybody, this is the president of the United States, and we're a very respectful culture. He's, he's telling, telling you a funny story, and we're going to laugh. So I will tell you when he's done, and then we will all laugh. And so he, Carter continues. He says, <laughs> he's still telling the story, so don't laugh yet because it'll be out of place. So just wait until you get my cue. And then he finishes the story, and then the guy goes on. He says, now everybody laugh. Well, everybody busts out laughing. Well, Carter looks at the guy like, see there, I told you that this would translate. You know, and it was later when they told him, Well, actually He he didn't even tell your story. <laughs> that's right. Because yeah. so oh. but, it's
1: it's funny to me because humor can be such a great connector. It can be. But it's got its limits, doesn't It can it, it can be yeah. awkward. Mm-hmm.
2: But that's what I love about the gospel. What we're taking, it's just translatable, you mm-hmm. know. Um faith, hope, and love, you can you can um use that. In every human being's life. And Jesus really reaches the deepest needs of people, no matter who Amen. they are. So that's mm. it's one of the beauties of the gospel. And I'm grateful for it. You know, it's brought it to me, you know, in my own life. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a living exhibit A of faith, hope, and love in my mm. own life,
1: you know. Well, we could talk more about that. <laughs> 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 you, is is that just the truth. Okay, it is a testimony, it's a personal mm-hmm. testimony. Okay, well, we talked about the gospel. I, I like. I mean, I like that Paul used this phrase. But I like that you picked up on it that the gospel is bearing fruit and growing mm-hmm. throughout the world. That's mm-hmm. what he says: bearing fruit and growing. Mm-hmm. And you kind of nuance that mm-hmm. those are actually two different words with two mm-hmm. different thoughts right. behind them. Do you want to talk more about that? Because I think that's really fascinating. Helpful. Yes.
2: You know, in, in fact, what I wish I had done in the sermon.
1: Oh, good. that is the purpose of this um, podcast. <laughs> Tell <laughs> you know, me more. Yes. Uh,
2: what I wish I had done is is gone ahead and let us read verses nine and ten, which are. Um, where Paul says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding the Spirit gives. Now, there's there's kind of the connection to the Colossians. Wisdom is not attainable through your devices it's something mm-hmm. the Spirit of God gives. But then he says, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, please him in every way. And then he brings those same two words, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Mm-hmm. I wish I had gone ahead and Mm. And shown that to the church Sunday morning, because that was that gives you an even better stark difference between those two words. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, Uh, and I just I didn't get to it Sunday morning, (laughs) but uh, but they are two different words. I mean, that first word is connected to karpos, which is fruit. And so it's a it's a reproductive kind of term. You know, it's spiritually gardening
1: kind of. Right.
2: And but Oxano is the Greek word for growing, for increasing And that word's found several times in the New Testament. It's used Mm. both in verse 6 and verse 10. And in verse 10, I like the fact that Paul kind of puts it in the context of what the word really means, growing in the knowledge of God. So Oksano has this idea of maturing in your understanding and in Mm. your faith. So I wanted that to play on those two images Sunday morning about the church's growing.
1: Right. Mm.
2: On the one hand, the gospel obviously bears fruit. And again, Luke, we'll talk about that next these next few weeks about yes, the we power will. of the seed and it's good seed and it will produce fruit. Um, and certainly it should be um planted and we we should see the increase. But then there's also just the growth that occurs mm-hmm. in our lives. And that's why I did I started off Sunday morning individually with the Psalm 1 Tree to just say, this is who we're wanting you to become, you know, this Psalm one person. But then the idea that um, we want you to be maturing and growing in your own faith and that at our church, I believe that the ministries that we have here are in many ways primarily designed to facilitate that very thing. And, you know, as I said, Sunday, it starts. uh, Y'all have preschoolers. Well, I can tell you right now, even with yours, Katie, Mm -hmm. even as young as yours are, Mm -hmm. they're not just walking around and, you know, burping Mm -hmm. them and changing their diaper. They're singing to them. They're quoting scripture to them. <clears throat> they're telling stories to them. I mean, as little as they are, they're already pouring things into those children to let them know how special they are. That God made them. That's one of our biggest lessons we give to preschoolers: that God made you, there's so no one else like you. And uh, pouring, kind of putting those big blocks in, if you will, into a preschool's environment to learn these core truths that mm. that, um, that we believe are 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 taught in the scripture. Mm-hmm. But what I love about that is walk around, you know, walk around on a Sunday morning, and go to um, you know one of our yeah. Sunday school classes where you've got 95, 96 yeah. year olds Pick reading it. the Bible,
1: mm-hmm. a lot of Bibles, it. a lot of Bibles open in yes. those rooms.
2: Yes, I've been in them. I mean, we
1: call a lot of groups Bible studies. We being like the American Church, mm-hmm. you know. I want to join a Bible study, mm-hmm. but you come on Sunday morning, especially that first floor.
2: Yeah. I'm they not saying the others don't, the but Bible. they have their paper
1: Bibles open in their yes. lap, and they are going through yes. it because they'll come on. They'll come like on a Wednesday Bible study to, mm-hmm. to me or the pastor, and, or you, Luke, and they'll say, "I have a question. we were reading this on Sunday, and I don't understand. Exactly. And it's deep. I mean,
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm not always ready.
1: No, I mean those questions. <laughs> I will tell you what. If some of those ladies from mm-hmm. I'm thinking about the friendship department, mm-hmm. if they come up with a question from Bible study, it is not easy mm-hmm. because they know the easy answers. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes. they've they've studied the Bible. That's it right. is going to be. It's it's a call Kirk Grace moment. It's like if Kirk's in the room, to go
0: read my commentaries. Yeah. <laughs> if church in the room, I call him over cuz <laughs> they'll
1: say I don't understand. It's like revelation. I'm like, <laughs> you know, I probably don't understand either. <laughs> but I will get you an answer. Anyway, we are we we, we study the Bible. That's right. Yeah. And
2: and we ask them to invest themselves in ministry and mission because we believe that combination of both the, you know, the in word and in deed, mm-hmm. those go together in discipleship and spiritual growth and that's just that's just who this church is, you know. Um so, and, and you can look at our church plant that we've built, and it just demonstrates that to you. I mean, you, you look at our sanctuary space that we have, that we use on Sunday morning. It's a big part of our church campus, but mm. it's dwarfed by our educational space mm. in reality. Yes. Mm. We have more Absolutely. room for educational space than anything yeah. else here. And that says something about the kind of the philosophy, of the yeah. theology of Three church. Three separate buildings. Yeah. I mean, it's just... It's just sorry. It's just who They're we are. Big, I mean, we're we're yeah. we expect you to be studying the scripture, learning about what it means to follow Jesus, and then taking that and offering you opportunities to do that in ministry and mission. So and so, it's it's an important thing to us. Yeah.
1: So I I'm going to ask a judgment question, and I, y'all tell me if you like this or not. Do you think that we might lean one way or the other in terms of? Bearing fruit versus growth—is it seasonal, or are we? You know, some churches mm. can be better at some things. Mm-hmm. I have my own thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. I think what it's seasonal
2: you? is what I would say for us at least, and that's been true of every church I've ever been in. There are times when there—at least this has been my experience over you know my 10 years of pastoral ministry not 10 years of
1: pastoral ministry <laughs> I've been in 10 years of pastoral okay, ministry okay. yeah, I've about at that number okay 40 years of pastoral ministry <laughs> yeah look look um, at hit 10
2: sorry um you know but every
0: place I'll I've say ever you've been, had t- you've
1: had eras that are I mean you've had they have looked different yes. i would say the last 10 years of first Baptist are different than the 10 years before that Correct. which were different than That's Alabama, what I would say. Et cetera, every so. so would you say
0: been, we're in our growing era or our Bearing fruit era?
1: You're just trying to say era. <laughs> <laughs> you said it
0: first. That's for the, At the Taylor Swift. There. Yep, yep,
1: yep. yep. Um, that, I think that— That's for this cultural <laughs> phenomenon called Taylor Swift. Yeah, anyway. I
2: think right now the era that we are in has been um, coming out of COVID. I think the era we have been in is more of a spiritual growth time because we are trying to—I think what you have to do— in churches sometimes, is you have to address the health of some things and try to determine how to get them as healthy as possible. And then my experience has been the bearing fruit follows
1: that. Mm -hmm. I think it's a trunk. Mm -hmm. I see it as Mm -hmm. a trunk thing. I would even go for our church pre-COVID when we had to, and I do think that, that's my opinion, Mm -hmm. help our buildings not fall down. (laughs) I mean, we had to. Mm
2: We had to address the core. We had
1: to look at mm-hmm. them, but that in era, I mean, it just happens that you, you, know, a lot of our resources were going inward mm-hmm. to to shore up the core, and we needed to mm-hmm. to shore up the trunk, the tree, whatever. And I I think I'm watching us, the pendulum swing right. in a good way toward mm-hmm. more bearing fruit. Mm-hmm. We're trying to figure that out in this new era. It's coming out in your sermons, mm-hmm. Luke. Obviously, it's why we hired you, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but not just you. I mean, you're you're here to be the impetus for it. But mm-hmm. everybody's kind of feeling it, I think, in their bones. Mm-hmm. Of okay. We've sheared up the trunk. Mm -hmm. We're ready and need to to be faithful. Figure out how to bear fruit Mm -hmm. in this season, Mm -hmm. in this context Mm -hmm. that we're in.
2: I agree with that. And you know, that's what I'm watching. I think for us, you know, the good news is in some of our investments across the world, we're seeing incredible.
0: Reach. Absolutely we
2: so are. So we will we will hear that report mm-hmm. next month about how God is yes. using us to reach mm-hmm. people across the world. Yeah,
1: and that's true that even when we we it's not like we stopped doing everything mm-hmm. to renovate the building on mm-hmm. campus. That's yeah. what I'm picturing mm-hmm. and build the children's building mm-hmm. and whatever else. We didn't stop anything. That's right. And we're still seeing the fruit of mm-hmm. those endeavors, but I think corporately mm-hmm. locally maybe mm-hmm. we're we're realizing like this only exists for the, you know, for the for the sake of not not just reproduction, I think growth is really important, but kind of that bearing fruit. So anyway.
2: But if you want, if you you think about it, making sure that you're providing the core needs of people and Christian people, people to live in community, to grow and develop and mature, making sure that you have that allows you, in my opinion, to plant seeds of the gospel and invite more people in because you have something to bring them to, you know. And so... Mm -hmm. It's we're, we're not here to gather a crowd. If we were here to gather a crowd, well, then we would do things very differently because you can pretty easily gather crowds in America. you know? Especially
0: in Dallas-Fort Worth. Yeah,
2: you can. You you can focus your energy and attention on just gathering crowds. But, but the church, as we've said, is a purposeful community. That's, that's who we are. We're inviting people into something that's really meaningful, that matters, that's life transformative. And so our energy is not on just gathering a crowd it's on the whole process of transformation in people's lives and with that said there are seasons though where there are things that we might do that are aimed at attracting people you know depending upon how you want to how you want to do it sometimes larger groups sometimes smaller groups um sometimes more individual um one-on-one mm-hmm. kinds of things mm-hmm. but over time the hope is healthy things if you can if you can address the disease Bring it to better health. My experience has been healthy things grow, you know. But I would say as a pastor, there are times when you have to put your hands on the body and just try to figure out where are we and where is the disease, if you will, where are the things that need to change and be shaped a little differently so that overall the body can work and function more effectively together. And then it will grow. And, and I think that seasonal growth is more biblical, in my opinion. Um, the Bible talks a lot about bearing fruit, about being productive not being successful. And so I think we have to be careful about how you judge and discern what fruit bearing really is, you know? And so on the one hand, if all you look at are numbers, if that's really what you look at are numbers, well, then nobody's really successful is what I would say, you know, because you can, you, you can look at um, <clears throat> any, any church in our particular uh, branch of Christendom as Protestants and you would have to judge well. We're not as success. We're never going to be, or at least we're not right now, as successful as the Catholics are. There are 1.1 billion Roman Catholics. That's the largest yeah. branch of Christendom. So we're we're not successful. And when you compare us to that, mm-hmm. and then when you compare us to lost people, well, we're surely not successful. Mm-hmm. So if, if only if you only want to look at numbers, then you're always going to be disappointed. Now you can feel good about yourself based upon your own context, of course. And we all do a little bit of that, you know, based upon your what you think you're potential Mm -hmm. is and Mm -hmm. what your history has been. It's
1: all relative. Absolutely.
2: But in the big picture, if that's really what you're after, I would tell you that you're always going to be disappointed because it really doesn't add up, so to speak. But when you start talking about growing people and people's lives being changed and those people uh, communicating and connecting with others whose lives are being changed and and you look at uh, how you evaluate the spiritual health and climate of your church and the tenor of how you do things To me, I think that's what the Lord's interested in. And I trust Him with the increase, to be honest with you. I just do. I trust Him to allow us to experience the fruit and the harvest that He chooses to allow us to participate in. Now, we have to do our part. As I've said before, you know, farmers don't leave all the uh, seed in the barn. I mean, (laughs) that would be very presumptive if you just don't do anything and you go, well, I'm going to trust God. Well, you're just going to have a—you're going to grow a bunch of weeds. You're not Mm going to produce anything. But you also can't make it grow. Yeah. You know, so it's this, it's this very interesting dynamic partnership that we're in with the Lord. And, mm-hmm. and I actually like it that way. I think I need to be faithful. But there are times when what you're doing is, is you're repairing all your equipment, you know, and you're checking your soil for its nutrients. And you're, you're, you're re-nitrating the soil. You know, you're out there evaluating mm-hmm. and analyzing it and trying to determine what's the best seed for that soil. Well, that doesn't feel like a very productive time you know to a farmer but the wise farmer knows good and well you know that's yeah. um, that's really laying the foundation for getting ready so that you can be productive that's how i've seen this last season at our church we have been preparing the soil we've been repairing equipment if you will you know we've been knocking the rust off some things we've we've actually thrown some things away <laughs> and just said these need to be replaced we need to address this and so that's been a season for us. And I'm not going to apologize for it because I believe it's where the Lord led us. And I, like I said, I used to pastor two country churches. I used to watch farmers kind of in the off season. That's what they did. They they didn't just sit around and sleep in because nothing was growing, you know, not the good ones. You know, the good ones were repairing things, making plans for the future. Um, they were hiring all these folks from A&M to come in. I can just tell you, we, we used to meet these Aggies and Mertens and these guys would come out and you know, they're putting all these different signs out in the field. You know, this soil is, is like this. You know, you need to plant this here, and this particular seed is like this, and it needs to go here. And, you know, they're not just twiddling their thumbs, no. and they're also not just throwing seed into the wind. That's just not how it works. You know, it's it's a science, It's uh, and it requires a lot of time and energy. But it does require seasons where you're focused on what you're actually doing before you do it. So— I don't know if that helps anybody, but that's how I envision mm. it right now. I think that's where we've been, and um, so, and I believe we're starting to emerge out of that. To be honest with you, yeah,
1: I do too, mm. it's Luke.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I obviously have not been here as long as either one of you, mm-hmm. um, but it's exciting to come into a season that is, I think, aimed at this idea of it's time to bear fruit mm-hmm. and to start seeing just the the first fruits, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, table groups have been exciting. I think some of our groups have thrown their very first party. Yeah, I was so, going to ask
1: you. I mean, pers- not on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to know. Yeah. There was one in my neighborhood last night. I wasn't mm-hmm. able to go.
0: Yeah. So. I had sick, well, uh, I have sick kids. Yeah. start collecting stories this week of just kind of what happened and what people are learning but and even if, what's going on.
1: Even I mean, and that's where it's like measuring success is so important. Because even if not a lot of people came or whatever, people made an effort. To yeah. reach out and love their neighbors. Well, maybe they you know what learned I mean? what didn't work. Right. But even the effort is faithfulness, yeah. you know? And mm-hmm. so it's successful in that regard, mm-hmm. I so, think. I think so. one party
0: had five neighborhood families show up. I think that's and had, incredible. That aren't church engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's relationships that's right. from one group with mm-hmm. five new unchurched families that will start to just continue that would, to form. That
1: would never come to First Baptist mm-hmm. on a Sunday morning. Yeah. I mean, why would they? The CDC
0: right? carnival
2: on Friday. I just have—I didn't I didn't even—I mean, my granddaughter in it, and I guess I wasn't paying attention that we were having this thing on Friday. So Greg was having—a a friend of mine was here for my—sorry. <laughs> we about were talking Greg about it. Yeah, sorry. sorry. Greg, <laughs> yeah. a friend of mine, was in town from South Dakota, <laughs> and he needed to do a couple of um, Zoom calls so I took him over, um, you know, to the Wade building, where I am right now, and um, set him up. Well, I couldn't get him on the Internet, you know, and I was like, okay, um, hm. And, you know, I thought it was going to be really easy, but I just couldn't figure it out. So I asked someone on the set, I said, is Billy here? And they said, yeah, he's over at the carnival. So I go over to the carnival Well, Billy's dressed up. And the place is the you know, it's full of all these I young I think Billy families. was Captain
1: Underpants. Yeah, I was to right say that. that yeah. anyway. Oh, sorry. I'll let you know. He <laughs> okay. wasn't just dressed up. Yeah. Our IT he, guy yeah. with your friend here from out of town <laughs> yes, that's right. was dressed as Captain that's Underpants.
2: so when I saw him, I said, I promise he's the IT guy. <laughs> and um, so he was being I, a dad he and volunteering was at a the – yeah. and, and so he goes in and, well, he gets Greg, obviously, Billy, you know, he's –
1: Three the cheers b- for Billy. Magician. Hip, Billy now hip, has one hip, of those hip, hip. Great sermon, Friday. You've to be kidding me. Yep.
2: Um, dial 911 and that's who shows up um, <laughs> here. But um, so well, while I'm in there and, and they're getting Greg's computer set up, I met like five sets of parents who had no idea who I was. I'm mm-hmm. standing in my own fellowship hall yeah. at my church on a Friday. And I, and of course, a lot of people didn't know me. I've, obviously, we had teachers and yeah. families. And and a lot of our of families the, are in there. I mean, our course, families, church yeah. families. But I'm I'm standing there kind of taking Billy's place, and this couple comes up, and their little kid is trying to find the treasure that Billy had hidden in this thing. And I said, how are y'all today? And they said, fine. And I said, have I met you? And the No, nope, I don't know you. He introduced himself to me. I said, well, I'm Dennis Wiles. I'm the pastor. He said, oh, man, well, I'm glad to meet you. And she's my wife, and here's our son. And then another family came up and said, how are y'all? I said, like, do I know you? No. I said, well, I'm Dennis Wiles. I'm the pastor. Oh, well, we're glad to meet you. We've been in the CDC. And and I'm thinking, okay, here I am right here on my campus. Yeah, they come to our church five times a week. <laughs> yes. You and I've not met them. So but mm-hmm. newer to our center. You know, as I said Sunday morning, we come out of COVID. We had 37 kids. You know, now we're up to somewhere around 120 or so. Mm-hmm. So it stands to reason there are going to be some folks there. But those are new relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, look, that I don't know how I don't know what type of fruit is going to be born in them, but there's some fruit already being born because their children are in a caring and loving Christian environment every day and that's something they want.
0: And they're learning about Jesus right. in that environment. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. So um we're we're to me, that was just another sign of, okay, you know, we're we're growing, you know, that's a tangible um measurement, you know, to where there are more of them on our campus and more of them who are not in our church mm-hmm. are on our campus, like you said, every single day okay. and here for big events. And so I was very encouraged by that, and um, mm-hmm. so it was. Um, you it was know,
1: good. three cheers yeah. for the CDC. Yeah, of course. And Billy, I'm a big fan. of yeah. yeah. both of those. Yeah. yeah, I, I too, I'm grateful. Okay, so, do you have you have it in you? I mean, we got one more. I don't. Look one how, more question? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have a lot. I just, we've talked about the church, and I'm, I'm very obviously very invested. My gosh, this is my, not mm-hmm. just my career, this is my world, my, my mm-hmm. life. So if you have okay. Yeah, take a take a drink break. Mm-hmm. If you're in the car, you know, turn the AC up high. <laughs> no, or the heat, or the, oh yeah, whatever it's, you may need. Today. It's cold hey, today. today. Um, but I am fascinated, and y'all are missiologists, and so I want to just kick this your way. Um, the church globally is growing, mm-hmm. which is so encouraging, and we're it we is. are going to look at that next week. And mm-hmm. there's even the things that we have invested in, mm-hmm. just the stories that we can tell about our people are incredible. They really are but are locally the churches in even in Arlington they're not they're not growing mm-hmm. numerically
0: yeah and if a church in the united states is growing tell us, Luke. best statistical data we can kind of reason is 93% of that is transfer growth meaning a church that's growing
1: getting people from other is churches is actually
0: it's people from other churches who either moved from a different church in the region or that family moved to a new town and joined a church but typically a church is growing from people who are already
1: Christians. It's just the movement of Christians within. Yeah. yeah. And so 7% is new new, new. believers or new yeah. unchurched people. Mm-hmm. So I know y'all have been reading – we've been reading The Great de which mm-hmm. is a book that's kind of captivated our attention. What would they say? What would y'all say? Are the key are, – are there key points, key reasons why people aren't going to church anymore? And is there anything we can do to reverse it? I mean, I guess that's the premise of the book. Yeah. And if it was easy, we'd already done it.
2: Well, the second answer is Yes. Of course, there are things you can do to reverse it. You know, (laughs) so we're we're going to figure that out in our own context. I think, but okay, I understand what you're saying. But but the research in that book, but not just that book. I mean, you read Barna, you know, Mm -hmm. as Barna has been kind of sounding an alarm for a while. Mm -hmm. Now Gary Burge is kind of the new. I don't know if he's the new George Barna. George Barna was my generation. You know, that kind of had his finger on the pulse of all this. But but, even
1: without the data, we know there's anecdotal, just just from living life with people. My family, my friends, a lot of them don't go to church. Mm -hmm. I mean, you you can just do that, and Mm -hmm. then you can say, I don't know, is that Mm -hmm. my experience or everybody's? I think it's everybody's what we're learning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So,
2: I think there are—obviously, I I think it's a complicated answer. It's Mm -hmm. a complex thing. When you look at um, belief, behavior, and belonging, those are usually the three core things that that sociologists study when they talk about churches or religions, not just churches. And you look at how— uh, there have been so many shifts, I would say, um, ontologically, you know, this idea that I can find meaning without connecting to the transcendent. That's a modern phenomenon. I mean, think about the from the ancient world, I would say, up through the 20th century. That's a foreign concept. It is. You're this an idea outlier. that I make
0: my own meaning.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you think you can do that, even ancient people who worshipped all these pagan gods, well, that's a sign. There was no meaning outside of meaning Even
0: the earliest secular communists would not yes. have thought you, you could have generated your own meaning. They would have said that your meaning actually de- derives from your productivity yeah. to the common good. Yeah. But you, it's not something you generate on your own. Correct. You're not going to go out there. Yeah. And,
2: it's not self-determinative. Mm-hmm. You yeah. just
0: can't do it. It's impossible, actually.
1: Until now. We figured it out. Well, I'm just kidding.
2: <laughs> you know, we, we think we <laughs> don't have. actually believe yeah, it. You know, it's, it's now. It's like, so this idea of belonging— you know, um, is is a very powerful force in people's lives in the sense that you can find meaning by belonging to things that aren't necessarily transcendent in nature and that out of that you create your own meaning and your own worth, your own value. Well, that's, that's a new phenomenon, I would say, philosophically. And it's a huge barrier to overcome. Mm-hmm. That's what I would say. I think that's one thing we have to address as Christians, you know. How do we address that and reintroduce the transcendent? To our culture,
0: yeah, <coughs> excuse me. Um, so and so those are hard things, but I think the good news is that people are generally spiritually open mm-hmm. in our culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, even and we don't typically think of this, we don't talk about Australia or New Zealand typically when we talk about religion. And it's because bring it on in here, Luke. They're <laughs> some of the most secular parts of the world. We think of Europe as secular,
1: and they're relatively small. I mean, is that fair? Yeah, like mm-hmm. New Zealand isn't.
0: No, it's not a huge population. A big player. But as Mm -hmm. far as, like, per capita statistics of secularism, Australia and New Zealand blow Europe out of the water. Mm -hmm. But I saw data the other day that as many as Mm -hmm. one in four Australians would actually go to church if someone invited them because they're just that spiritually open. Mm -hmm. And so you think about the people around you and whether, you know, some of this we'll kind of turn our noses up at, but the people who have interest in crystals and... Mm -hmm sort of more just vaguely spiritual, horoscopy things, that's actually a sign of spiritual yeah. openness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, one story that came out of a table group is a girl was at work and a co-worker expressed this need for spiritual cleansing through crystals. And this girl who's been practicing missional prayer that we talked about at our first equipping night, which is, God, how do I join the work you're already doing? Basically, since God giving her an opportunity, and she said, when I... I'm in spiritual need, I turned to Jesus, shared her story of faith in Jesus, and then asked her coworker, can I pray for you? And the coworker said yes. And so there's actually a remarkable degree of spiritual openness in mm-hmm. our culture that we don't necessarily
1: and notice. My take, not my take, my sense of things is the more unchurched, like Luke and I are of a generation that's a little more cynical because mm-hmm. a lot of them did go to church and had mm-hmm. bad experiences or whatever. I mean, I don't know. That's stereotypical. Mm-hmm. stereotype. The younger generation than us, they have no real experience with church. Therefore, they're not really negative toward it. They just mm-hmm. haven't had it. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah. it's a fascinating shift. And, you know, you could actually say, like, what's your background in church? And they say, I don't have anything. And you say, well, let's just talk about it. Yeah. Where someone more – not that's stereotypical, but a 35-year-old, 38-year-old kind of my realm – if you say, what's your background in church? A lot of my people that, you know, went to school in East Texas with me or whatever it is, they're yeah. like, yeah, it's, it, it did nothing for me. In fact, it was very painful. And here's why I never want to do it again. Well, that's it's actually h- harder to overcome. That's yeah, right. and so mm-hmm. there's actually a real uh, interesting and Well,
0: and some people refreshing will point to that and say we're actually moving beyond post-Christianity and we're now moving into almost a pre-Christian mm-hmm. pagan era. The difference yeah. is the kind of societal mm-hmm. backdrop of Christianity still exists in Western culture,
1: but those are refreshing conversations for me. People who just—they're just just neutral. They don't know know, what to you know get upset about.
2: Our family went to this um, Halloween night's party here in Arlington over off Division. I sent Luke and uh, Ryan a photo. (laughs) You had all these booths set up, face painting, and you know pumpkin painting, and I don't know what all there was. Just there was a bunch of fun stuff. I don't know if y'all went to it or not, but it was huge. We don't go anywhere. Packed. I mean, to get in, we had to sit in line. Arlington people know what I'm talking about. It was at the uh, the Howell Farms is Mm -hmm. where they had it, and it's a fun thing. (laughs) Um, You know, um, all these pumpkins, all these lights, all these fun things for the kids to do and all that. Well, anyway, there's a the main entry to start the pumpkin walk, if you will. And it's you go at night because it's a lot of lights and stuff for the kids. But nevertheless, at the main entry where you go in was a pretty significant size booth and it was palm reading and fortune telling. I think it's what it said. I can't remember the exact title, but anyway. So I sent a picture of it to Luke and Ryan said, I'm thinking about going, I'm asking this guy, you know, tell me tell me the future or something yeah. like that. And let me tell you the real future. Yeah. But what was funny was I mean I had kids with me, so I didn't I wasn't able to do it right now. But um if, if I didn't have them, if mm-hmm. it me and Cindy, I can promise you I'd have been in there having my palm read, you know, um to have a conversation with these people
1: Permissional
0: purposes. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, he just uh, really needs to know, yeah, our you know, what's happening. Yeah, yeah. He just really and, wants to know if the Rangers
1: I mean, are going to win the World in other Series. In other
2: words, I would have paid them for their time. For the conversation. Absolutely, yeah. rather than take up their time, because I realize they're there making money. I'd have mm-hmm. been happy to pay them to say, okay, now let me have you let me yeah, have a conversation with talk you about, about the this. real future.
1: But nevertheless. But you're at a family-friendly. Family-friendly. Everything was great. Fall festival.
2: And I was thinking, and and people were sitting in the chairs. There were three, if I remember correctly, standing in line, you know. And in fact the gentleman running the place came up to me and just said, How are you today? I said, I'm fine. He said, Would you like your fortune told? I said, No, I think I'm okay. You know. Um, and I, I, I probably should have gone ahead and said, But I didn't want to it it I was afraid that anything I said at that point would have been antagonistic. Right. You know, well, so the right I'm, I'm holding Gideon. You yeah. know, we so, speak uh, the truth in love. Yes. Yeah, so I thought, uh nah, that's yeah.
1: not the time for it. And you also don't want to derail your family time. Correct. Sometimes, right.
2: But what hit me though was this very thing. Well, wow, look at how desperate people are. In Arlington, Texas. I wasn't in New York, okay, or Seattle, or Australia. I was in Arlington, and there were fortune tellers at a family-friendly event. Mm-hmm. And I'm not dogging the event for half of them. I'm just saying I thought it was fascinating yeah. that that was right there in front of us, and nobody was freaking out about it. Nobody was, you know, acting like this is really a weird thing. People were actually standing in line to visit with them, and it just hit me. People are spiritual people. They're interested in spiritual conversations. They're willing to go sit down with a stranger because I watched them. They're standing there when we were standing in line because the kids were ordering some drinks. There are people sitting there with their palms open, and these folks were just kind of holding onto their hands, talking to them about stuff. And I thought, what a fascinating world that I'm in. I mean, that could have happened. I could have been in a Greek or Roman festival, (laughs) you know, and that very thing would have been going on. And so, actually, I take that as a positive. It is, Mm. you know, that that means, my goodness. If people are open to that conversation, surely yeah. they're open to one we can have with them. So,
0: and I think if I can share a story, and I realize we're getting long, but when I was a campus minister Close working out, with Luke. college students in Kansas, I had a student who was, we had, I had slowly built a relationship with over years. I'm a Christian minister serving on a campus. This girl is LGBT. Um, she is dabbling in paganism and dating a Vietnamese Buddhist. So just not what you, you think go. of as just like, <laughs> right. if we were to guess, like who's the prime target for a conversation about the gospel? Right. This is just not going to bop in and talk to you about Jesus. That that the not. average person yeah. thinks of. And she was hesitant to get to know us at first. So I mean, for a solid year, just built this relationship of trust with this student to the point that she got comfortable enough to actually come into our campus ministry space, engage us in just normal casual level level conversation. And finally, one day, she said something about, "I really wish I had." what other people have when they pray. I wish I had that comfort. And I said, well, that's something we can talk about and work on. And that ended up us reading through the book of Genesis together. Because mm. um, she said, I'd actually, I'd really like to actually know what the Bible says if I'm just going to do all, the, all these other things. And bear in mind, she's still getting up every morning, flipping over her tarot cards to figure out what her, the goddesses the world, have right. for her that day yeah. and is going to the Buddhist temple with her boyfriend. But Every week, we sat down, and we actually walked through Scripture together, and she actually, you could see it developing in her, this, like, wow, God actually really loves His people, Mm -hmm. and I can see how God is working for the redemption of the world. And she became captivated with the Bible and with God. And, you know, I moved here before she came to know Christ, but I'm hopeful that she's actually now on a journey of, I actually think there may be something to Jesus, and right. um, so there are people that you may look at that are LGBTQ that are flirting with neo paganism through the form of crystals or tarot cards. People are doing it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They're actually they're seeking. They're so hungry mm-hmm. that all they need is someone to come into their life to build yeah. trust with them and to say, "Would you actually maybe want to explore this too?" Would and you the, think about walking through this. With and me? the very good news is that Jesus.
1: You know. It's good it's G- It's Jesus. Amen.
0: And Amen. He, he promises
1: if he's lifted up, he'll draw people to himself. Amen. You know? Mm-hmm. So. What a good place to end. How about that?
0: Good job, y'all. Okay. Well, next month, missions. Got it. I'm excited. I am, I am too. too. This oh. is my bread and butter. It's going to be good.
1: It's all of our bread and butter.
0: It should be all of our bread <laughs> and butter. Well, no, it's your bread and
1: butter, but I'm excited <laughs> to be along for the ride. So, well, it's listeners, really we are grateful, and we love y'all, and we'll see you next week. Listening to the Tell Me More podcast today. You can subscribe to this podcast on your app of choice or you can visit us at fbca.org to find out more information about the podcast and our church. Thanks for listening. Have a good day.